Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the Dean One podcast. My name is Martasim Ibrahim, your host uh, for today's episode. And I'm joined by Saif, Umar, and Hayyan. Inshallah, today's topic that we will be discussing uh, is Moon Wars, understanding the beginning of Ramadan and the start of Eid. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in Surah Al Baqarah, Ayah 185 Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Shahru Ramadan al-Nadhi unzila fihi al-Qur'an Udallin-Nasi wa bayyinatim min al-Huda wal-Furqan Ramadan is a month in which the Qur'an was revealed A guidance for mankind And clear proofs of the guidance And as a criterion while Ramadan signals closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the closeness between the Muslims, we are all affected by the fact that between countries, within communities, between masajid in the same city, and even within families, Muslims begin Ramadan on different days and have Eid on different days. And this has created lots of tension and unease. Hence, why we term this podcast Moon Wars. Inshallah, <clears throat> inshallah, we intend to navigate through this subject and understand the reasons why people differ on this matter and whether this can be resolved or not. So inshallah, we'll start with uh, safe. And what I want to ask you is, how did, why, why have we ended up in this situation? Uh, is this just ignorance of the fact that there are, you know, valid differences of opinion that should be respected when Ramadan starts or ends? Or is there ignorance of the fact that Muslims should all start together on the same day? Say, what do you say? This is not an issue that the Muslim Ummah faced during the time of the Prophet, this is an issue that we have inherited due to the disunity of the Ummah as recently as the 1900s. Um, All Muslims should know that by now that we should be united as one Ummah, but we should also feel the obligation as one Ummah to struggle with these ideas in order to bring out the truth. Right now, many Muslims are driven by various reasons for what they perceive as Islamic argumentation. These reasons include nationalistic tendencies, family, or even the Muslim community they find themselves living in, pressuring them into believing a certain uh, viewpoint, which isn't really rooted in Islamic uh, evidence, I should say. It is important to understand that the sources of the Sharia for us are the Quran and Sunnah fundamentally. Our emotions, public opinion, the view of the majority, norms, customs, etc. do not determine the Sharia rules. So when we define respect, it should be within the framework of what Islam has accepted. Okay, so um, what do you mean by 
inherited this issue? Um, do you mean that this was not an issue before or simply that the differences were respected so it was never a matter that raised itself like it is today? There are some simple truths that we need to recognize. Firstly, we, when we had a single leadership, this was not a problem. Muslims were unified in this matter and there was no argument or debate. Secondly, when we had one land, this was also not a problem. How could it be that India had one sighting, but when it got split into two, India and Pakistan, it became two sightings. And when Bangladesh emerged, it raised the potential for another sighting. However, geographically, the land was all India with one sighting before. Thirdly, there's always a corruption at the political level where rivalries and disputes or the ease of announcing it on a particular day benefits a certain party than another on certain days. All these factors are in are influencing Islamic beliefs and all of these are inherited. We were not born with it and our history did not contain it in real terms until the loss of political unity and land for the Muslims. All right, so I wanna move this conversation over to Omar and get you involved. And you know, from the Sharia perspective, doesn't the narration uh, referencing Abdullah ibn Abbas, ibn Abbas justify that the beginning of the fast and the break of fast uh, vary by some specific distance or by geographical location. What do you say about that, Amr? So the narration reported by Muslim on the authority of Quraib, who reported that Omar Fadr bin Harith sent him to Muawiyah in Sham. Uh, so he said that he arrived in Sham and he did business for her. And in Sham, that was when the month of Ramadan started and he saw the moon of Ramadan on Friday. And then when he came back to Medina, he, uh, he asked Abdullah uh, ibn Abbas, anhu. Uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas asked him about it, and he asked him, when did you see it? And he said, Friday. But then he said that in Medina, they saw it on Saturday, and they observed the fast then. Um, and they said that some would continue to observe uh, the 30 fasts until they saw the moon of Shawwal. And he asked, is this the sight, is the sighting of the moon in, by Muawiyah not enough for you in Asham? And Ibn Abbas said, no, this is how the Messenger of Allah has commanded us to do this. And so those who claim that the beginning of fasting and the break of the fast can vary by location, they usually use this hadith as evidence. They argue that Ibn Abbas ignored the sighting on Asham. Um, and at the end of the hadith, he very specifically says, no, this is how the Messenger of Allah commanded us to do this. Um, and so that, that really makes it seem like this is a command from Rasulullah that the people of one region should not act on the sighting of another region. Every person has to look for themselves in their own uh, area for the moon. But the reality is that this doesn't necessarily have a basis. This is uh, essentially the ijtihad of a Sahabi. And the ijtihad of a Sahabi is not comparable to the hadith of Rasulullah himself. So the fact that Ibn Abbas who did not act upon the sighting of the people of Asham, this reflects an ijtihad from him. This is a, an opinion or an interpretation from him. But this cannot be used as a sharia itself to override an actual uh, hadith of Rasulullah uh, The ijtihad is always nullified by a general evidence from the sharia. Uh, furthermore, the ijtihad of a sahabi, it cannot specify the general term of a hadith. So when there's already a hadith, Ibn Abbas, he, he, when he says, this is how the Messenger of Allah commanded us to do this, that's not a hadith or an explanation of a hadith, this is just his opinion on it. And so we can't take this as itself 
as a ruling that to um, build upon what Rasulullah has told us already in his hadith. We recognize that Ibn Abbas's opinion is an Islamic opinion, even though it is weak, and we don't take it because the hadith is clear otherwise. Imam al-Shawkani explained the hadith as follows. So he said that the evidence is derived from the report of Ibn Abbas and not from his ijtihad, which people understood as such, and was referred in his saying when he says that this is how the Messenger of Allah commanded us. This is uh, Ibn Abbas saying, so we are still fasting until we complete 30 days. And the command of the Messenger of Allah lies in the hadith extracted by Bukhari and Muslim, among others, with the following wording that do not fast till you see the new moon and do not break until you see the new moon. And if the sky is cloudy, then complete it as 30 days. And this does not specifically apply for the people of one region to the exclusion of others, but this applies to all Muslims. So what Qureva has reported, it does not qualify as a hadith. It remains as exactly what it is. It's just the opinion or interpretation of Ibn Abbas and does not qualify as an evidence itself and it cannot be used as an evidence. Um, and it, this, So therefore, this is a shubha and this is nullified uh, as there is already evidence against it. And so as these two shubhas, they're no longer valid. Uh, there remains no other doubt. There's no other shubha. So the only evidence that can really be derived uh, can come from the clear-cut meaning of the hadith of the Messenger of Allah that he says to fast when it is cited. And so all Muslims are therefore commanded to break the fast when the sighting of the new moon is confirmed in any part of the world and to make that day their Eid day as clearly indicated in the hadith of Rasulullah do break the fast when the fast is cited, when the moon is sighted. So I just want to bring this back to safe for the last time and then after that we'll get to Hayyan inshallah. But one, one thing I want to ask you safe is you know what about the fact that we all live in different time zones. As I mentioned before, regarding uh, to the moon sighting problem in Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, this was never really a problem when Muslims were united in one land. That being said, it doesn't really matter if Muslims are living in different time zones now because back then it didn't matter uh, what time zone Muslims were living in throughout the various nations under that one Islamic rule. If someone were to argue that Saudi Arabia is two hours ahead of Pakistan, and because of this difference, it's not possible to sight the moon the same night in Pakistan as in Saudi Arabia, this would mean that as the world can be divided into 24 different time zones, there should be 12 different starting dates for Ramadan. Would anyone agree with this? So, Hayyan, I'll bring uh, the conversation to you. Um, what about astronomical calculations? You know, nowadays, this seems to be uh, the normal, and this seems to be the standard. Right. So you're, you're absolutely correct. This astronomical calculations have kind of become the main thing for everyone. And for us as Muslims, we need to understand where this is coming from so that we can have a correct stance and a correct idea about this. And when we look at the, all the ahadith about uh, moon sighting for Ramadan or for any other month, um, all of these ahadith contain the word ru'yati, which is derived from the word ra'a. And people who support the idea of calculating, using calculations for moon sighting, they're basically misusing the word ra'a or they had a wrong definition of it. And it, because in Arabic, you know, a lot of the words, it contain multiple meanings. And the word ra'a, it can mean knowledge as well. So we have to understand how the word is being used. And to understand this, I'm just going to explain it a little bit. The word ra'a, when it's referred to a single object, it means to visualize that object through the eye. So in essence, if it is used in this scenario, in the moon sighting, it means that 
he saw the moon with his eyes. However, if ra'a refers to two objects, it could mean to know. And when we're and another thing is that when we use ra'a, it's used in if the ra'a is used in a reference to a tangible object, then it means to visualize that object through the eye. So if you're presenting an idea or something that's not tangible or giving, you know, some sort of abstract, um, uh, your opinion on some abstract things, then if you use ra'a, it could mean to know. However, in these ahadith, we are visualizing the moon, which is a tangible object. It's a singular object. And that's why the word ra'a refers to seeing it directly with your eyes. Now, this is important because in the ahadith, in in all these ahadith, when we come to this conclusion, we have to realize that we can only, um, the, the moon sighting can only be completed with the naked eye. And that is the correct opinion on that. Now, there is a hadith by um, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which is reported by Umar radiallahu anhu. And in which he says that, that we are, we are umiya people, the unlettered people. We neither write nor calculate. The month is this way. And that's sometimes 29 days and sometimes 30. So those who calculate say that the command in this hadith, in essence, to sight the moon, is accompanied by a reason, a illa, which justifies the command. This justification being that the ummah was unlettered. They couldn't write or calculate. The ruling in turn goes only as far as its justification. If the ummah has emerged from its unlettered state and it's able to write and calculate, it becomes essential to rely on calculation alone. However, this argument is incorrect due to the following. The description of the ummah in this ahadith, uh, ummiyah, does not imply an illa. An illa is a legal reason. Ummiyah could mean Arab, like it is mentioned in Surah 62, Ayah 2. We neither write nor calculate. In the hadith, carries several meanings such as we do not use astronomical calculations to determine legal shari beginning and endings of month nor do we practice astrology or etc but it does not mean that general calculations are prohibited since muslims are commanded uh, by shari to follow um zakat and inheritance on all these other calculations which do require calculations now, the claim that the hadith describes the condition of the ummah at the time of the Prophet ﷺ is false. And this is what we just discussed. And further, the claim that this condition serves an illa is also preposterous. Now, one more thing, Marthasim, um, that we can think about is that for the past 1300, 1400 years, up until 1924, we never really had this issue about calculations when it came to the moon sighting because. Um, it wasn't an issue and it's become an issue now, like Saif said earlier, uh, after you know, we lost our central global authority. During the Abbasid Khilafah, the Muslims, they were really advanced in their astronomical, they were really astronomically advanced in their space calculations and um, in technology and whatnot. And it's not that they could not do these calculations. However, it's just about what the hukum and the hadith says and from that, we understand that we have to see it from our eye and using the calculations is not a valid justification. So therefore, after going all of these, it's quite clear that the arguments presented to justify the beginning of Ramadan through the use of these calculations are invalid and haram. Like I said, the only way to determine the arrival of Ramadan or any other month or any other sighting is by actually seeing the moon from one's eye. And this is a really important topic 
uh, sometimes kind of overlooked because um, in the tafsir of Al-Qurtubi, uh, it is reported that Imam Malik bin Anas said, if you see an imam who does not begin and end fasting by the way of citing, but begin fasting by calculation, he should not be followed in prayer or emulated. And, so, uh, and the renowned scholar um, Ibn al-Arabi said, some of our people erred when they reported that Imam Shafi relied on calculations, but then he commented that this report is um, baseless and it's false. So this gives a good summary of you know, why we shouldn't look at these astronomical, why we shouldn't um, use these astronomical calculations. And I hope that helped. Jazakallah khair. Jazakallah khair for all of you guys, uh, for all of your inputs, Hayyan, Amar, Saif. Um, uh, inshallah, we could all take away some valuable information, some valuable knowledge from this and implement it in our lives. And to our listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And to remind you guys to share our content on Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and to always come back for more. We will be releasing new content, inshallah. And until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events. Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.